Good morning and welcome to Monday morning, August the 29th in 2022 on When I Rise. Today we begin year C proper week 18, which is the 13th Sunday after Pentecost. And on the Monday of the week, we'd like to take a look at one of the Old Testament passages, which comes to us from this week from the Revised Common Lectionary. In this week of the church's calendar year, and so we find ourselves back in the prophet Jeremiah this morning. Jeremiah chapter 18 verses 1 through 11. So let me read that passage, provide a couple points for reflection, and then we'll spend our time praying along the theme that we find there. Thanks for making us part of your morning on When I Rise. Let's allow our souls to rise and meet God together in a time of prayer. Jeremiah chapter 18, verses 1 through 11. This is the word that came from Jeremiah from the Lord. Go down to the potter's house, and there I will give you my message. So I went down to the potter's house, and I saw him working at the wheel. But the pot he was shaping from the clay was marred in his hands, so the potter formed it into another pot, shaping it as as what seemed best to him. Then the word of the Lord came to me. He said, Can I not do with you, Israel, as the potter does, declares the Lord. Like clay in the hand of the potter, so you are in my hand, Israel. If at any time I announce that a nation or kingdom is to be uprooted, torn down, and destroyed, and if that nation, I warn, repents of its evil, then I will relent and not inflict on it the disaster I had planned. And if at another time I announce that a nation or kingdom is to be built up and planted, and if it does evil in my sight and does not obey me, then I will reconsider the good I intended to do for it. Therefore, Now therefore say to the people of Judah and those living in Jerusalem, This is what the Lord says, Look, I am preparing a disaster for you and devising a plan against you. So turn from your evil ways, each one of you, and reform your ways and your actions. This is the word of God for us. In the big, thick, long book of Jeremiah, this this uh, story is always mentioned. It seems to be the place where people like to camp out. It's because it tends to be a little bit more thorough narrative uh, than other parts of the book of Jeremiah. But nonetheless, it's also got a very rich lesson. I think it gets into the heart of maybe what late Israel would have considered to be God's plan and God's action with and through the covenant people of Israel. So whenever we get into Bible studies, uh, whenever we begin to think about uh, the the occurrences of life, current events, past events, the questions begin to emerge about, okay, how much does God plan and how much does God allow? Um, Is God's plan fixed or is God's plan malleable, right? Is that how you say it? Malleable? (laughs) Um, And how much of it um, is still yet to be determined, right? And so all these things kind of involved in what's going on in the natural uh, working of the world and what happens within human history, and in particular what happens uh, to the people of God, right? So for instance, uh, this happens on a macro scale when we talk about um, what is God's, you know, big plan with, you know, any nation, uh, including the nation of Israel, and also in micro plans, like how much of our own life seems to be determined beforehand um, how much of it is something that's unfolding um, as we go and so on and so forth so here we have this interesting uh, perspective from jeremiah 
Uh, Jeremiah says that God uh, has plans for people, right? And, and both of them articulated here, both of them as in, you know, the nation that God plans to uproot. But if that uh, nation decides to turn from their ways and to be more righteous and uh, be people of justice, then God will relent from those plans, uh, God says, or to the people that God intends to plant, right, and to establish and to guard and protect, like, you know, you do like your tomato plants and stuff like that, pr- protecting it from intruders into your garden. But if that group of people, uh, if they decide to turn away from God, then God can then change his plans or allow something different to happen, right? Uh, and that group of people shouldn't just assume that they can do whatever they want and receive God's protection always, right? So there seems to be like a malleableness of what God's doing, at least on a macro level, for the people of Israel. And so it's all shaped in this context of watching the potter do its do his or her work, right? So at first, this potter is uh, got a pot that's broken and it's reformed within its hand, like you know, on the potter's wheel. And then uh, later in this chapter, the, the pot is kind of thrown out into the field because the clay just won't work with the potter and the potter's hands. And so there has to be a, a starting over of things. And so Jeremiah is obviously conveying some bad news uh, that the people of Israel are like the second option of uh, this parable. That uh, instead of being the nation that God would plant and protect always, um, Israel has decided to turn from God and has placed their future not into God's hands, but in their own hands. And particularly with all the the different uh, coming and going of the geopolitical relationships in this part of the world this time. And so Israel is uh, playing uh, with danger here. And so Jeremiah is the prophet who doesn't want to relent. He uh, goes right into the face of danger and he tries to go right to the people of Israel to convince them uh, to live otherwise, right? And I think that's probably the role of what the people of God are. We, um, we are among a group of people. We believe that um, God is still interested in the world, that God still has one plan for this world, and uh, that we sense that through the reading of scripture that there is some sort of a, a narrative arc where the world is going. And so when there are things that get in the way of that narrative arc, that arc being that God wants to restore and redeem the world, like if there seems to be this sense where people aren't working towards that, but working against that, then the people of God, we have to find ways uh, to articulate the word of the Lord, that uh, we need to you know, turn from that path and we need to go a different path. And so what we see is that there's been times throughout uh, church history where churches had had power or no power and they find a way to represent God uh, to the ends of the earth. Um, and I think probably the richest examples of this come from times when like the church didn't have a lot of political power, like there wasn't a candidate representing our cause uh, directly. Uh, but people have to work uh, in community, uh, usually through um, very slow and methodical ways, like the slow progress of, uh, of a way towards uh, honoring God over time. And not something that's uh, demonstrative and that happens all at once, but something that gradually grows among a group of people. But in the midst of that, people look back in hindsight and say, wow, how great it was for the people of God to be situated for such a time as this. And so I think when we think about a world like ours, an advanced world, like in our nation, uh, where there is uh, public action, but also like social media and technology that's at play, I think at times the church uh, is worried that 
maybe we don't have precedent from our past to, to lean on to know what to do next right and so sometimes when that precedent isn't exactly there there's like a prescription of things that we should just take matters into our own hands and figure out the best way forward uh, but what we've seen is that uh, through every era of history uh, through times where we're in the developed world or the primitive world uh, when people come together and when they act out loving kindness and care and concern and justice and looking after particularly the plight of the poor and those who are most vulnerable it's something new and different uh, something new that uh, begins to open up minds and hearts begins to take shape right and so i guess my encouragement today is we need to be praying for the world today uh, we need not, not just praying for uh, the hot spots that are quite clear that something needs to happen today and very demonstrably but also pray for other parts of the world um, where it seems like like maybe needs are taken care of where there's plenty of people and plenty of churches around where that we just think that all those things are good and we need to have a i guess we can call it like a political witness and i'm not necessarily talking about people running for public office in jesus's name but just how do we I mean, if you look at politics, how do we act in public, right? How do we uh, represent uh, the cause of our God in public? And there are certain ways throughout the centuries that we've done that, that has had a great effect. And that is to be people who uh, share great concern, people who are patient, uh, people who do what is right, who uh, raise our voices at proper times and in proper ways. I love the way that uh, Rufus Smith, who is a pastor I work with in uh, Memphis indirectly, he says that uh, maybe the call of the day is not to change our truth, but to change the tone in which we speak that truth. And that might be something to go on in a day kind of like ours. So I'm not going to round this thing off to an exact point, uh, but to say from Jeremiah's uh, content here this morning is that God's got the world in his hands. It really is. And that's just not some cheesy line that we say in kids' songs in church. God is directing. We could say that. And although we may not agree completely like how all that works, uh, whether this is a revealed plan that's already been decided or it's a malleable plan that God is uh, working step by step with human uh, participation and cooperation, but to know that we wake up today and God's got a greater desire to see things happen in this world than even we do on our best day. So we have got that going for us. So then we go from there and say, okay, what can I do? What's my part today? How can I, in organizations and workplaces and neighborhoods and other ways in which people get together, like how can I try to help this story move towards the narrative arc of redemption that we see in scripture? What can I do today to highlight what God might be up to in the world? So with all those things in mind, Let's spend some time praying to our God this morning. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we place our life into your hands and we thank you that you are so interested and you're entwined with what happens in this world. And though we may not be able to describe it completely on a scratch paper, uh, we thank you that. Uh, in a mystery you're involved and still you're separate and distinct from this world and so we appeal to you once more we understand that this world is in trouble without you and we understand that at times we have not been so helpful we have not been so pliable in your hands and so today we repent and we change our minds and we ask god that as we go from place to place today whether it be school or workplace or just other place where people gather in community that we would be a representation, that we'd be a signpost pointing towards what you're doing in the world. And so we pray that you give us uh, humble hearts, that you give us listening ears, that we'd be present and attentive and 
kind so that uh, people might be able to see pointing beyond ourselves to you, knowing that you're in the midst of this world and this world is going places because you care for it. So God set us apart, stir us for work. And I pray that we would delight in the work before us today. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.